Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Picard Season 3. Uh, I am Brandon C. McClure of the Fake Nerd Podcast. As you know, with me on this trek, as always, is Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you, sir? Doing great, man. Doing great. Star Trek is it's a beautiful thing right now. It's a beautiful thing, so I'm happy. It, Star Trek is a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> um, where are we talking about today? Full spoilers for Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 8 surrender yes uh this is directed by by deborah camp 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 mirror camp mayor i tried um uh, she was the director <laughs> from the last week's episode and uh uh written by matt okamura yes so um let's get right into it cookie what'd you think about this one Great episode. Answer some questions that we've been longing for. But then they hit us with a, a little one-two type of combination. And it's like, we want to answer questions, but we want to still add more questions into it. And I'm getting nervous. I am now at the point where nerves are setting in because it's like, okay, great. I'm getting these answers. I'm liking it. I'm liking what you guys are doing with the story. The The plot is there. Everything is wonderful. And you guys need to start wrapping it up because we don't have much to go. Yeah. And now in fairness, they do have two hours. They do. They have. Yes, they have very much two hours. However, in Star Trek fashion, two hours is going to fly by super fast. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I have at this point, no doubt that this show will deliver a emotional finale that will really hit me. Yes, you and me both. I am a little concerned that this show will not deliver a satisfactory finale on any other level. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's going to be like we've talked about. It's definitely going to be a very, very much like a, a farewell next generation type of concept, which I I'm all for. I'm happy for. Um, and that's it. That's I think that's what we're really going to get is that. Yeah. And there's a lot I like in this episode and like, there's a lot that I like in this episode, but, my biggest issue, and let's just get it right out of the way. It ends in the exact same spot the last episode ended in. Yes. With who is Vatic's like, okay, time to find out who you really are, Jack. Then we go through this whole episode, and it's like, okay, time to open the red door, Jack. Come on. Yes, yes very on. much so. That was that was definitely a big gripe for me. And then Data was a little bit of a gripe for me. Interesting. I would love to get into this. Tell me more. Okay. I I love the fact that we're getting this human aspect. We're getting what the Dr. Sung's collectively wanted out of their children. And it's beautiful. But then it's like, okay, you guys brought this in episode eight. Why couldn't you guys have bring this in episode five? Where it's like we, we would have time to enjoy and explore Data as a person not just as an android. We're going to we're going it's sad to say but I'm I'm forcing the future. We're going to lose data. They've hinted at it multiple times where death is a big part of data and he's like at the end spoilers, he's like I don't really kind of want to die now now that I'm I'm me, I'm enjoying what it means to be truly alive. And we've had every single character talk about his death. It's just a matter of time before he does the ultimate sacrifice to sacrifice himself for the good of mankind 
I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think they'd kill him a third time. You don't think so? No, I don't. I think they're smart. I think they're smarter than that, personally, because he did the sacrifice play in Nemesis, right? Yes. But then so it's he, like, OK, where's he going to go after this? But Jordy is the flip museum. He's going to be so bored. <laughs> he won't. He'll be with Jordy. He will be Jordy. Yes, but he would be bored out of his mind because the computations would be so minuscule to him that it won't matter. The adventure that he's been on. And now that he's human, he gets to actually experience life. You're going to be stuck in a museum. Like if you want to experience life, travel. Okay. Well, how about this? He could become a captain now in Starfleet, right? He's more human than he ever was. He could, he last time we saw him, he was a Lieutenant commander. We could Starfleet could just give him an honorary captainship and he could become a captain in the fleet again. That's a good point. Good poll. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to kill data. I, the question of what happens after is a big is a big question for Star Trek fans right now because we don't know that there will be another story after this. We know Correct, that this yeah. we know that this is the last for the next generation crew, but what's what's next? What's the next Star Trek story? It can't be Discovery. That's still five hundred years in the future. Yeah. Um. So I I see what you're saying, and it and it is. It is a it is still a bummer that we're 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 just kind of looking at this as like okay well there's two more episodes left with these characters and they have finally come together. Yeah. I will agree with you that it's it's unfortunate that we had data this late in the show. Mm-hmm. Be, so I was kind of thinking about this a lot. I I I kind of wonder if maybe I would have preferred lore had been the main Brent Spiner in the show. In the seat in the season, and like it's not necessarily lore trying to. So it's like I had an idea when the trailers are coming out that I'm kind of have that I'm kind of trying to divorce myself uh, from, which mm-hmm. is that that lore would team up with the next generation crew, okay. and he, he would kind of go on an arc of a kind of a redemptive arc in the season. I I, I kind of really like that idea, but. I do actually really like what they did with Data in this episode. I do. Um, I really do. I just wish it was earlier that this happened. Yeah, I can, I kind of feel <clears throat> the same way about like Troy. Like we got we've gotten these characters now so late, we only get yeah. two more hours with them. Um and it and one of the benefits is that, you know, we've spent so much time with the other characters that now we can focus on Data and Troy. We can have them have good character moments. But yeah, I I I I see what you're saying. I Let's talk about data though. Let's talk about the data in the room. Kind of his his like um uh, uh they have this they have this plan to retake the ship and they're like okay well let's use data. Yeah. So let's let's lower the partition and let's hope to god something good comes out of it. Yes. <laughs> it's really what they is really what they were what they were doing because because Jordy is like yeah well no the partitions are the only thing keeping data alive and and Picard is like Okay, well, what if we lower the partitions anyway? Yeah. And Jordy's like, <laughs> did you not you hear what I just said? <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, but data, but then we go, but then we do the thing that I was really hoping we'd do. We go into his mind and we see both him and Lore. Yes. I thought that was really cool. I agree. I definitely, and I, I what I loved was the the explanation of memories to data and what they mean. Mm-hmm. And in those moments of him giving those memories away, he truly felt like 
I'm losing this battle. So rather than fight it to the very end, let me freely give this to Lore in hopes that he might see what he's missed out on all these years or all these decades. And I love that so much because you you get to see the humanity inside of Data. This, this Andrew that has had no humanity in his entire life, has longed for it, is freely giving up his memories so that his brother can potentially experience life in his absence. And I thought that was remarkably beautiful, remarkably written. It was so great. And yeah. I love how it kind of came together as Data comes back. Spoilers, Data comes back. And I thought it was so genius because I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. He's going to get so overwhelmed with all these memories. And since he's an android, they're just going to come in fast. And he's mm-hmm. going to get all these sights. And then all of a sudden, this this animosity and anger that he has is going to vanish because now he's experienced what love is and experiencing what friendship and what family is. And he's feeling all these things hit him in waves, but they're so spontaneous that it's like it becomes data. And that was that transition, which I was like, beautiful. Bravo. Well done. Yeah. I agree. And the final where when Laura says goodbye, brother. Yes. Oh, so it, it actually choked me up a little. Like I rewound it because the first time I watched it, it was almost as if it was data on both sides saying goodbye, brother, because data was no longer going to be data. It was going to be a combination of the two. Yeah. So that's kind of how I first saw it. And I rewound it. And I was like, oh, no, that's lore. And I was like, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's smart that they never change where lore and data are on the screen. Yes. Um, so we never lose track of where uh, of who is talking to who. And Brent Spiner is good anyway, and he's able to. Apparently, what he did was um, he would what he would do is he would deliver his line as data, and then walk around the camera to his mark as lore, and then deliver his line as lore. That is hilarious. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. Um, I thought that I, I was watching the ready room bit and, and Brent Spiner is uh, apparently they have this whole thing about um, bringing back data and they wanted to. And Terry Metalis was like, I it's inconceivable to do a next generation reunion and not bring back Brent Spiner. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want Brent Spiner to play another song because he's been playing. Yeah. Every every song ever made. <laughs> So it's so I thought it was really, really interesting that they um, that they were had this idea to be like, okay, well, what if we did this idea that uh, data is is alive, but we but not in a way that takes away from his his previous two deaths, Mm -hmm. because this is because he even like data constantly reminds people like, no, it's me, but it's also not me. This isn't I the person you knew is still in me but I am a new person. Correct. And I think that's really, I think that's really cool. I, I think, I think that was a really smart way to go about it. So big question for you. Yeah. Do you think he's going to go and get like a giant Phoenix tattoo on his back saying rebirth? No. No. <laughs> he'll get it. He'll get a tattoo of spot. <laughs> By the way, it's insane to me. I don't know if you know anything about, I don't know how much you know about spot. No. His spot, the cat's gender, changes frequently throughout the next generation. I when I looked at it, okay, I just I looked at it and I was like, doesn't look like the same cat to me, but we'll run with it. We'll go. Well, I mean, that cat's dead. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, but like just the look of the cat looked very yeah. much different. Uh it's not that different from the last time we saw him in generations. Um obviously cats are um most cats are uh mutts. 
to use the dog vernacular. So it's very difficult to find the exact same color of orange cat. But um, I think that, uh, you know, an orange cat shows up in Data's memories. You're going to be like, oh, that's Spot. Yeah. Um, And I I think that was the part that actually really hit me is when it was when Spot happened. And then and then someone posted on someone posted on Twitter uh, spot our gender fluid queen <laughs> <laughs> because throughout the next generation there's an episode of the, there's an extra next generation episode where spot has kittens really yeah um there's an episode and we never see those kittens again by the way um <laughs> I think she ate them um well, so, okay, just for context, it's the episode where the crew, where, like, Barkley has this disease and Beverly gives her gives him a cure okay. that makes it so that the entire crew starts devolving into their baser instincts. Yes, yes. And Spot was pregnant in that episode. And so before Spot turned into a lizard, uh, he, uh, she, he, they, they, um, <laughs> <laughs> they had kittens. Okay. Uh, and then we never saw those kittens again. Gotcha. So hopefully, hopefully those kittens are okay. Right. Um, but I think that's, I think that was really sweet. And going through his, his going through Davis memories, um, like with the, the playing cards, if we don't get a poker scene this, in this season, we're not getting one. Come on. We gotta, don't, we don't, don't do we, that to me. Okay. If we do, I kid you not. It's going to be this round table. I'm, I'm calling it now. Data has passed away. He sacrificed for everyone I don't think Data's dying. They're going to be a round table. And on the round table, you're going to see every character. And then you're going to see an empty... I'm trying not to choke up. You're going to see an empty chair. And it's where Data used to sit. Okay, I'm going to take that one step further and say that Data doesn't die at the end of the season. Um, And the final episode, the final shot, is they're all in Chateau Picard. They're all playing poker. That's how you end the season. That's how you end the season. Is it going to be like one of those... um, that 70s show type of thing the smokes in the air no know. i think i think no i think it i think because it will mirror the finale of all good things right okay because that's how all good things ends with picard yeah. finally joins the poker table and it kind of zooms out and that's the end of the show i think they're going to i think it's conceivable that they would mirror that okay and I want it. And Miles is there, and Keiko is there, and they're all having fun. Everyone's there. Chateau Picard's big. It's a party. Alexander's in the corner. Alexander's there. Sure, why not? <laughs> Kestra. <laughs> hey, Kestra finally gets a moment. Gets yeah. a gets a name call in this episode. I was happy about that. Poor, poor Alexander. <laughs> Never nothing once. Nothing at all. Never once gets mentioned. Oh, it's priceless. Anyway, um, so let's talk about Deanna and Riker. Get a lot yes. in this episode. Really, really happy about that too. Yeah, you can their their chemistry just it doesn't dissipate. It's it it's so very much like you're seeing these these two people re rehash what it means to be these characters again and hit those beats and hit those marks, but at the same time age their relationship so much further and you're seeing like a relationship where it's 20 years of them being married or 20 years of them being together type of thing it's really nice yeah what's what's wonderful about this about this is um i'm gonna bring out the ready room again because there are two there are two really great featurettes on this week's on last week's ready room which is one about deanna and riker's relationship and one about data okay. um i highly recommend watching last week's ready room it's been my favorite so far 
Um, so Riker and Deanna have such an interesting on-screen relationship in the sense that there is none. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Their relationship is from, is from prior to the next generation. Correct. And they never, and they don't really do anything with it up until the movies. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was because the writers didn't want to. The writers didn't like their relationship or the idea that they're in a relationship. They wanted Riker to kind of be this freewheeling, falling in love with whatever woman of the week they can find. The William Shatner of the group. The William Shatner of the group, exactly. And he, uh, and it was, it was apparently Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis who kept that relationship alive. So they would constantly do scenes, do glances, do looks, act like they had they still have this romantic relationship um and a lot of it would end up on the cutting room floor but sometimes it would slip by Mm -hmm. and it would really piss off the suits apparently the producers at paramount because they really didn't want it but they uh but they kept going and they kept trying and they wanted to do this and they wanted to do it because uh they felt it was important so it really helped so so the fact that they we're pushing this relationship for so long, I think really helps them slip right back into it when we see them in this, in this episode. Yeah. Because they, they themselves have built this relationship. They are willing to be like, okay, yes, you are the love of my life. You are the, and you, and you see it in, in Riker. Riker adores Deanna. And you and you and you 100% believe it from these two that they have been that they are in love. And what's so incredible about their relationship, their relationship has survived the death of a child. Yeah. Which is almost like for a lot of people, that's that's an impossible feat to come back from. Yeah. And especially Deanna and her species of people, like being an empath and feeling everything and then looking to the love of your life and not having not feeling them is like got to rip you apart because you lose the feeling with the connection you have with your son and then you're now losing the connection you have with your husband breaks you down man and you look at like is that a window yes i thought that was a wall this whole time i have been recording with you for years i thought that was a wall it's a window it's just i can't see if my car alarm is going off or not sorry give me a second okay go ahead well I'll mark the notes. No, it's not me. We're good. I keep hearing an alarm go off and I'm like, what is going on? Okay, it's not me. You know what? It's not long enough for us to cut it out. So so audience just going to get that. They're just going to get all the... Thank God again, I'm wearing pants. So (laughs) Sometimes you're not. Um, (laughs) There's plenty of times I'm not. (laughs) Um, So what I think is so great about... Going back to just Deanna and and Riker is... What I think is, is, is so great about the scene is that we get a lot of information about why Riker left because he, you know, he, he talked about it with Picard. Like I just, I just didn't feel anymore. And now we know why Deanna Mm -hmm. numbed him on accident. Yes. And still, even through that Riker was still willing to forgive Deanna, to love Deanna and be with Deanna forever. And, and Deanna feels very remorseful for it because she, she thought she was helping him, but she hurt him more. And it's such a, I, I really, I really just can't praise just the two of them in this scene and the scene enough. It was just, it is just pitch perfect for me. For sure. Did, did she actually do it on accident or I thought she did it on purpose, like deliberately to numb him so that he could kind of come back to her. 
Well, she says it. She says, I wanted to take your pain. I wanted to, I wanted to take that pain away from you. So you wouldn't hurt anymore. I wanted to help you. But in doing so, she accidentally numbed him to all feeling. Gotcha. Okay. And that, and that wasn't, and that's what hurt their relationship for a bit. That's why Riker left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Riker doesn't blame her for it, which I think is really interesting is he doesn't look at her like she did something wrong. She, he understands that she was trying to help. It's just that it didn't, it didn't work. And yeah. he want he was, he was like, I needed that grief. I needed to feel Thad's death and you wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really powerful scene. I think Jonathan Frakes, man, I'm getting such good Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes material this season. We really are. We really are. And I'm loving it. It's, I, I, I do love the situation of them kind of just being in this moment and being able to like, when you're watching this, everything kind of dissipates around you. And yeah. that soul moment just takes hold of you, takes hold of your emotions. And you feel this connection that you're like sitting there with them. Like they deliver these lines and their emotions so well. It, it's beautifully done. I, I'm saying beautiful all the time, but the writing is really, really well done. Like I am, I'm thoroughly impressed with how well these writers did with this season. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that the, uh, I think that when they decided to bring back this cast, it we talked about a lot how it could have just been very surface level, very fan service, but they really did think about it. They really did think about where these characters would be and how they would interact at this point in their lives. Although nobody calls up Beverly for leaving for 20 years. Not at all. No one does. And I don't understand it. <laughs> when, when Deanna get like, I missed you. And we, t- yeah, I talked to you all the, the time. And I was like, she's the one who left. <laughs> she she's cut like, you off. I've been thinking about you, even though you were gone. It's like, no, you haven't. I mean, I'm sure she has because they were all friends. And Riker even says in the beginning, do we know why she co- no one knows why she cut us all off? She yeah. cut everyone off. And everyone is just like, oh, oh, Beverly, give me a hug. I'm so happy you're back. And I'm like, is no one going to address the fact that she's the one who cut you guys off? It's one of those I'm, mysteries, man. I'm sure they're all happy she's back because they love her. Clearly, they're all friends and they didn't understand why she cut him off in the first place. But someone's got to acknowledge the fact that, like, hey, when you did that, it really hurt us. Yeah. Maybe Worf should have sent her a severed head. <laughs> Passive aggressive. That, that was, was an incredible. That was an incredible line. It was. I loved it. Uh, my favorite line in the episode, however, is uh, when right when Worf saves Riker and Troy, and he says, "One's personal space is a right." <laughs> She's just. I don't care. Come here, you big love. Oh, it's so good. I love and and and, she, and then he starts talking to Deanna like, yes. <laughs> like Deanna, I've thought about you every day since you have left. And Riker's part like, hello, I'm right here, guys. And he's just like, is this a part of the torture? Oh, so good, so great. Uh, yeah, I really, I really love. Although I, I, I don't understand why Worf walks up to Raffi and Raffi's just like, yeah, it's me, and he just goes, cool. <laughs> Not gonna do no more tests. Yeah, that's it. You're, you've passed. You passed the test. You said it was you. Yeah, I believe you. I mean, luckily they were right, but still, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think the um, I think a lot of the I think a lot of the this is why I said in the beginning of the episode uh, that 
they, that this will feel Im, it very, that the finale will be very emotionally fulfilling to me mm-hmm. because I think what this season has done really well is given me these character moments that feel emotionally fulfilling every episode. Yeah. So even if I am maybe slightly frustrated with the plotting of this episode in regards to the, the mystery of the, of the overarching season, I think that it really pales in comparison to where we are at when we get character moments, because I think that's where, I think that's where the season's strength is yes. uh, all over. I think no matter what the season's strength is that it, it feels real and we're getting these kind of great emotional moments with these cast of characters. Absolutely. I do have to say there are, I would say there's one definite moment that doesn't need to be there. And I think it's just like, they just put it in to put it in type of concept where it just felt really, really out of place when I know I'm jumping really far ahead. Go ahead. I can't remember the lady's name. Um, The bad lady. Batic. Batic. When she is about to get sucked out into space and she drops this untimely F-bomb. Oh, I like that. I, I don't get me wrong. I, I like it when it's needed, when it's warranted. It just it had no weight to it for me. Mm. It was just like you guys could have placed that anywhere else. I don't know. I really liked it. It's actually my favorite F bomb that Star Trek has ever dropped. Really? Yeah, I th- I really think so because I mean one of them belongs to Tilly. So, you know. It, low okay, bar. So like if um, if Jordy, when when Data was you saw that like Data's synapsis brain was turning from blue to red. Yeah, when that completely went, that would have been a time where Jordy would have said, "Just boom, f," like that would have hit and resonated so much. Like, dude, I just lost my best friend again. Oh, but it's so. But man, real quickly because you brought that up, when he sees that happen and you see the just the his face just like can't process that he's just lost his best friend again, yeah. and just like, damn, just <laughs> oh, so good, but. Uh, going back to to Vatic's death, I, I there's a lot and there's a lot in that that I that I really like, which and it, and it's the it's the whole um I really I don't know, man. I really worked for me just the effing solids blown I, out through space, just so it, good. It felt weak to me. It just was like something that like a child, not a child, but like a, a high schooler would say. It just didn't have a real presence needed, mm. warranted. Like he could have just said, "Damn, solids, boom." But then Jordy watching that and not knowing how to cope with seeing his friend's death and realizing he kind of, in his mind, he caused that death to happen. That's the F moment that would have resonated a lot more, I think. I don't know if I want to see Jordy drop an F-bomb. Well, I listened to it. I, well, I used to. I haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts, but I don't know if you've ever listened to his podcast. He has wonderful. Um, he does a lot of short stories and he just reads them. Yeah. And he drops curse like he drops so much cursing on there it's not even funny I guess but it's so. well because you know he uh, used to be um he used to be a priest no he didn't yeah he was a he was on he was in the brotherhood of the priesthood he was going to become a catholic priest and he ended up just stopped doing that he's no longer a catholic yeah he was going down the path wow. of being a priest i had no idea that's so interesting yeah. it's very like his story is very very cool story you know, interestingly, I knew him from reading Rainbow before I watched Star Trek. Oh, who didn't? 
Well, but like I it was around the same time. It's just weird that reading Rainbow hit me before Star Trek did because I watched <laughs> them both around the same time. So you're telling me you didn't watch the color per I'm joking. No, I've never seen the color purple actually. All right, this I'm sorry. This is driving me crazy. About to All yell right. at somebody. What's going on? Like, uh, can you hear it on the mic? No. There's like a horn going off. And I think it's my car, but I, I look, it's not my car. But I don't know. It's driving me crazy and I feel bad. I feel like you can hear this horn in the background. Just no, I can't nonstop. hear it at all. I can't okay. hear it at all. Well then we're good. Um <laughs> good good content for the episode. I'm sorry. Just constantly being like, what is my car alarm going off? <laughs> um no, I so anyway, I'm I just a rare time where the two of us disagree on something. Um don't get me wrong. You know me, I don't curse, but you sure I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed having that in there. I just wish it was in a different placement. That's all. I don't all right. think that that Star Trek doesn't necessarily need to have cursing or does it not need to have it. I think that when it's warranted, it's perfectly fine. It 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 fits where it needs to be fit. I just think that it could have been better placed. And then sure. there's a, a walking scene. I want to, we'll get to it later. I don't want to talk about it now, but the walking scene between Jordy and Data towards the end is the other one that kind of felt weird for me. Really? Yes, but we'll talk okay. about it when we get back to that. Yeah. I want to put it, I want to put a pin in that one because I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that. Um, okay. But I want to talk about um, uh, uh, the there's a smash cut. There's a smash cut that I really like that I want to talk about, which is um, you know Deanna says, did, "Did we did we do the right thing giving them the compromise prefix code?" Mm-hmm. Um, and and Riker's like, "Well, if you know, I'm sure Picard's got them in a classic Jean Luc Picard trap." Smash cut to Vatic on the bridge at the chair. Yes. Incredible, incredible bit of bit of comedy. Yes, very much so. And I I loved how well Vatic played a a villain in this moment, especially mm-hmm. her taking over the um, and kind of like doing this this psychological torture between the bridge crew was really well done. Yeah, I really like Vatic. Um, I think she was a fun villain. I think Amanda Plummer plays her very well. Um, I, I'm honestly sad that that's it. No more Vatic. Oh what what was the what do you think the purpose is for the the smoking the cigar type of thing? Like what was? That? Oh, because she's changeling, and so she's smoking. Yeah, it's like why? I feel like it's got to be like a an aesthetic thing that like she just likes how it looks because it's okay. not like it's doing anything for her. Yeah, nothing at all. Yeah, that's why I was just I was very curious. Is like or why could you- her or could her uh, because she has the ability to replicate internal organs in a way that changelings have never been able to do before. Perhaps okay. it does. Perhaps she she can feel the effects of the smoke because of that. That's interesting. Maybe. I think there's, I think uh, I've, I've seen the discourse online about her smoking. And I just kind of feel like rather than saying why it can't work, I think it's more fun to kind of come up with explanations for why it can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, I, 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 I it, at the very least, I think it's because she just liked the way it looks. Gotcha. Cause she's she looked cool. I won't lie to you. She, she looked cool doing it when the, like the, the lighter that she has, it was always cool. The sound that they oh, had. And the, when it's like going in through the through the top of the of the bridge yes. and she opens the lighter, <laughs> it's all this aesthetics of it was really well done. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I'm a little bummed that we lost Vatic though. I'm not. I, I liked her death. I I like her death, but I 
I had this pro I had this problem when we were introduced to the face for the first time, right? Um the the fact that like sorry, my my AC turned off and I need it to turn back on because it's getting hot again. No problem. Um wait. <sighs> I really think that, like, I had this fear when we were first introduced to the Goo Face, whatever the whoever Goo Face is, um, that it took away from Vatic, and I, I feel like it did. Okay. I really have to see where these final two episodes go for me to know, for me to kind of have a, an opinion on this, really. But right now, I'm a little bummed that we kind of lost the central antagonist that we've been following for so long, mm-hmm. with still two hours left to go in this in this in this in this show i agree i i think that if they because they already established that she is very much a pawn in this yeah. this whole entire organization and but we haven't showed, met Goofface yet so that's the, that's the problem i think like if we were to have met him and kind of really understood who he was and potentially maybe how many pawns there are out there because yeah. having just one pawn you can't really do anything on the chessboard with just one pawn and that's it you're going to need more than just that to like really make things happen. So I, I'm interested to see who or what this creature, this goop creature is and seeing exactly how true they are to their word that she is just a pawn. She's easily yeah. expendable. And Deanna says that there's something in Jack that's ancient. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of going back to my Paul Ray theory. It's, it's very, very, very much plausible now. I really, I mean, that'd be so cool if this was Paul Wraith's. <laughs> um do you want to get into that that moment with deanna and and jack no i want to wait because that pissed me off um, really <laughs> well i don't like that because it ends on a cliffhanger right yeah yeah it just yeah. It, it just ends the cl- the episode in the same way that the last episode ended with mm-hmm. like oh the next one you'll get don't worry the next one you'll get answers about jack oh no 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 actually the next one you'll get answers about jack and i'm like <laughs> okay but actually can you can you like tell me who jack is at this point because i'm tired of being it's it's gotten to the point when you get to when you do a show like this that is that is centered around a mystery of like who is this who is uh, who is this character what does it relate to the longer you drag it out the more frustrated your audience gets mm-hmm. and I think they officially crossed that line with this episode I agree and that's not a place I wanted this season to go honestly I can definitely agree with that for sure um but. I see no reason why they have to push it again. So hopefully next episode we get it. Although I saw a clip. So I saw on the ready room, there's a clip of this, of, of we see Jack and Deanna holding hands as the extended part of this, this thing thing. And Deanna opens the door and then just like severs her connection with Jack and then bolts out the door. And I'm like, boy, I'm so curious what's going on. Right. That would definitely, yeah. Kind of keep me all like, keep me on my toes a little bit. What's going on. Yeah, I I really I really do like a lot of this episode. Let's let's get into so she so so Vatic kills Tavine. Yes, and yeah, you're I we I can't hear your garage door actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I, so Vatic does kill Tavine. There's kind of a lot of play of like, okay, well. Who is she going to kill? Is she going to kill Lieutenant Mura? Is she going to kill Lieutenant Esmar? No, she kills Lieutenant Tavine. Mm-hmm. And that's a bummer because I like Tavine. I think I like just about all the bridge crew here because we actually get to know who the bridge crew is, Discovery. 
Poor Discovery. It's not, <laughs> not even on the air anymore, and we're still still taking pot shots at it. No, I, I yeah, you're right. I I do really like this cast, and and that's that's really good. Like, I really like the fact that I kind of it's kind of a two edged sword. Like, I really like the fact that we that they killed Tavin, and I felt something mm-hmm. because that means that you actually did do at least a fair job of telling me who these characters are and. Uh, making sure that I was familiar with them enough to care about their death when it happens. Correct. Yeah. And it's a, kind of a bummer that, but it, on the same token, it's a bummer that we lost Tavine because I thought she was the most interesting of the bridge crew outside of Sydney, the forge. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, let's see. I so, do. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I like the way that Vatic kind of played on, who she was going to kill and oh, yeah, really sure. built up the suspense a lot for me was really enjoyable. Cause I didn't, I did not expect that. Like I saw once that, that phaser kind of came out at the girl and I was like, Oh no, no. And then boom, it just like, wait, what just happened? And you're just yeah. like kind of taken back very much. So, so it was really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's actually really, it's actually such a really nuanced scene too. Like if you watch it a few times, you, you pick up on certain things that Vatic is doing. Um, there's one bit, you know, Vatic goes around Mura and then to Esmar. And then when she's walking to Esmar, she locks out, she looks at yes. Tavine. And, that's, and when that, I... that's what the audience cue to be like, Oh shit. Yeah. Uh, the disintegration, the disintegrations, uh, the vaporizing of the phasers is a really cool effect this season. Yes. Just think it's kind of neat. Although, it why are neat. why why are all phasers set on vaporize? Yeah, and not stun. <laughs> There's like every phaser. I get I get it for a changeling. Probably should vaporize them. Yes, but the fact that every phaser has been set to vaporize, not even kill, it's just vaporize, is very strange <laughs> to me. I agree. I agree. Um, so Wharf is great in this show. I'm so yeah. happy to have Wharf back. Very um, much. Let's let's talk about data and data and Jordy scene that you that you talked about. Let's okay. take the pin out of it and let's talk about that now. Okay, so um, we have two long lost friends finally mm-hmm. reunited once again and holy matrimony, if you will. They they are they're they're best friends, and yeah. when you haven't seen your best friend in a while, you have this this special connection with them, and it's like. And it's an instant, like, instant, like, love, like, brother, sisterly love that you have with them. And I didn't get that from them towards the end when they kind of really said, like, said their piece to each other. And Jordy's talking about how he's sorry for what happened, but he wants him to know that he truly cares about him as a friend and data vice versa. And it was almost like that awkward moment when you're on a first date and it's like, okay, do I... Do I give you a high five? Do I give you a handshake? Do I do I go in for the kiss? Are we going all the way to you want to come in for some coffee? Like we didn't know where we were going with that moment. And it felt very awkward to me. It felt like they didn't know how to handle their relationship as friends, as as brothers, as best friends. It felt very much detached. Interesting. I don't disagree with okay. that. I, I do quite like the dialogue between the two of them. Where no, I like that. It's just because Jordy says something. Yeah, because Jordy says, um, I'm happy to have my best friend back. And Data is like, you know, I'm glad that um, I will, I'm always grateful for your friendship, which is a callback to early next gen. Mm-hmm. But 
I think that scene should have ended in a hug. It, it really should have. Like it, it needed something to really like bridge that gap. Like I, I really missed you, best friend. Like when I see, I'm trying to. Th- I just went for a blank. I'm going to go with Gandalf and and Pr- Professor X. When you see them out in public, they are best friends in real life. They are best friends. They'll hug each other. They'll give each other a kiss in the cheek. They love each other to dear life. And that is the relationship I wish I saw with Jordy and Data is that they truly are best friends. And now that Jordy is seeing Data as a human and, and Data feels himself as a human with emotions and not expanding on it, it's like that is your perfect moment to expand on emotion and just say like, like I genuinely love you. You are my best friend. I love you, and give them an, a, a warm embrace. Like I, there's not. I wouldn't say it's like a sexual intimacy. It's just a friendship bond intimacy that needed to be there that was left yeah. hanging. No, I felt that, I felt very much the same way uh, in that scene. I I I literally yelled at my screen, yelled at my TV screen. I was like, hug, yeah, hug, hug him, hug, <laughs> hug. Because like it does feel because like Jordan kind of goes in for goes in a little closer. And it, and you're right, it's not a romance thing. It, it it's a it's like I my my best friend. Like uh, like every time I see my best friend, I'm hugging him. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, like, I think that, like, I I do think that these two should have had that that hug moment because it would have been really impactful to 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 have yeah. um, and really important to to see because, like, these two people haven't seen each other in thirty five years. Correct. No. Yeah, yeah it's, it's about yeah. thirty five. Since wait, no, it's not. It's not hasn't been thirty five years since ne- since Nemesis. Um, we have, what twenty I, years. Wait, so it's twenty. So twenty four hundred one. Nemesis twenty twenty two seventy six. So calculator. Yeah, do do twenty four hundred one minus twenty two twenty twenty three seventy six, and we'll do the math real quickly. Twenty five years. So it's been twenty five years. We're, we're close. Yeah. Um. So it's been twenty five years since since the last time they saw each other, and and Data was dead for that yeah. all that time. Jordy didn't see the next time Data died. He wasn't there. Yeah. So I do think it would have been important to kind of have have a little bit to kind of have that capper, right? It's like the emotional, it's like the emotional swell of a romance scene has to end with a kiss. Yeah, um, exactly. Like a, like a big romantic kiss. This is kind of the same thing. This is this is like these this is the big platonic swell of two best friends who haven't seen each other in 25 years. One of them has just come back from from the dead twice. Uh <laughs> twice. Times. Three times. And, and now you got to and now you have to and now I think it needs to end with an embrace. Yes, I agree. Um, but it, it, you know, outside of that, I think the the dialogue is still oh, yeah. good. It's 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 nice to see them together again. Um, I, and that leads us to the, the 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 conference table. Yes. Well, before we get to that, do you want to talk about Jack? What is there to say about Jack in this episode? Okay, I guess my thing is thank you guys for answering nothing for us. Because we still don't know who Jack is besides you've added more into this where I didn't necessarily have a a, a want to know what's behind the door. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, okay, I want to know what's behind the door. I still want to know who Jack is. I still want to know why he's that important to everybody. If what our hypothesis was last episode, if it actually is true or not, because they share that DNA, that data, if that data, that DNA of Picard and him. I'm interesting to see what's going on and the way that Vatic kind of explained things. She knew a lot about his history and it's like, okay, 
How does she know this? Why does she know this? Yeah, she knows a lot about she knows a lot about Jack, a lot more than Jack knows about himself. And Jackie's even kind of like frustrated about the fact that she's not sharing yeah. um, what she knows, and much like we are. There's a there's apparently two hints in the scene uh, towards towards the towards something in the future. Um, Seven stays behind when the crew mm-hmm. is locked in the conference room. I don't know why she does that. I think she's an idiot for doing so. And she's well, like, she she's like, like making choices or whatever. No, she's like, I'm I'm handling the consequences. And I'm That's like, are, are you though? Yeah. Like, what exactly are you going to do? What are you going to do? Just stand there? Yeah. Um, like, there's just no point. Anyway, that was another here or there. I think it's just there to, to hint at something. But here's the thing about Jack. I like Jack. I like Ed Spillers. Um, I think I think the character of Jack Crusher up until this point has been a really engaging character that we do know quite a bit a lot quite a bit about that I um that I'm fine with following and I enjoy this character to the point where now that there's a mystery surrounding this character I wa- I'm frustrated to know, to to learn what that mystery is going to be mm-hmm. and I'm glad that the show has taken the time to make me care about Jack outside of the mystery because that it could have just very easily just not done that, and I yeah. and I think that I think I personally think they have, but this episode has nothing for Jack. Jack is a is a passive participant in the episode outside of two moments where he does where he you know he goes into the mind of um, Mura, and then he he does the big triumphant shield generator thing at the at the end there like. But outside of that, there's really we don't learn anything new about Jack. We Jack doesn't really have an active uh, an active stake in the story at this point. It's just kind of he just kind of exists in this episode, and that's kind yeah, of a bummer. For sure, it, it was it was a missed opportunity to expand on his character and just answer one mystery. Just give us yeah. something versus give us like we're gonna get hit so much and so like bombarded with so many. Hopefully with so many like different answers that we've wanted throughout the entire season in two episodes it's like it's a lot of work to pull off guys like are you sure you have enough time to do that in two hours yeah i mean you gotta hope that they do because technically this this is long two hours is longer than most of the next gen movies anyway yeah so you just kind of hope that they that they are able to pull something off and i and like i said i have faith about the emotionality of these two of these final two episodes i am a little concerned about the mystery that the season has hung has hung its hat on mm-hmm. resolving in, in any sort of meaningful way. That's not to say they can't pull it off. Yeah. Um, and I, and I hope that they do desperately hope that they do. Right. Uh, because I like this, I like the season a lot. Um, even, even if it doesn't, I think that the season has holds a lot of value um, mm-hmm. outside of the second season, which lost all of its value and decided to be terrible. Um right. I have one little thing I wanted to point out. Yeah, go ahead. We are so horrible with this because Shaw's still alive. I thought Shaw would be dead by now. Right? <laughs> like the mystery of Shaw. How is this man still alive? And he you know what? Up to a pulp and he's still here. I am happy he's still alive because I really like him. Yes. He, he's um, grown very much on me. And I loved his his scene coming back into the bridge, like after the doors opened up. And Seven and nine is like, all right, Captain, the bridge is yours. And he doesn't even say a word. He just, leave me alone, you son of a biscuit. No, he gives Jack a pat on the shoulder. Like a yeah, thank that, you pat yeah. on the shoulder. And then he just goes back to seven and he's like, you take it from here, pretty much. Like, he's like, I'm tired. 
So Seven and Shaw have such an interesting dynamic in this episode. I'm glad you brought this up because I almost forgot. I almost forgot to. So Seven, Seven didn't blow the turbo lift, and Shaw yeah. is like, "You should have blown the turbo lift," mm-hmm. because in Shaw's mind, he he needs to he needs to be the person to sacrifice himself so that everyone lives. That's Correct. why he's. That's why the he. Captain. Well, it's not that. That's why he's the captain. It, it's, that's what that's what he learned from his experience in Wolf Three Five Nine. He would never let his crew suffer the same. If he can die to save mm-hmm. his crew, he will do it one hundred and ten percent. Yeah, but Seven was raised on Voyager, where Janeway was all about everybody gets home. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets home, uh, including myself. We're all getting home. Yeah, so it's um, very much two different mentalities. Yeah, and so so seeing that kind of clash between their how they command is actually really interesting and really compelling. And I didn't quite see it until this episode. Now that you brought it up, yeah, I I I didn't see it either until just now. Until you brought it up, I'm like, oh, they, they really make a good a good collaboration. And it reminds me a lot of Riker and Picard. Yeah, a little bit. They're very Riker's much two a, different dynamics. Riker's a bit more hot-headed, or he used to be. Yeah. Um uh, nowadays he's a little bit more cautious. Um yeah, then they destroy the strike and they, they killed Vatic. Oh, so the view screen. I want to talk a little bit about the view screen. Like um, how it opened up? I love that. That was so cool. I did not expect that at all. Yeah, I really like the idea that the view screen... So, okay, so apparently, apparently, this is something really cool that I that I didn't... I have been railing against New Trek ever since uh, Star Trek 09, uh, Star Trek in the Darkness, Beyond, Discovery. Their view screens are windows. Okay. And I hate that. And I've talked about it before on the show. I've talked about it for years. I hate it. I don't understand why it's a window because it's never been a window. It's always yeah, just it's always been, been like a TV screen projection. Yeah. And, but for whatever reason, the aesthetic for modern Trek has been a window. However, the Titan, what I thought was a window is actually not, it doubles as a window and a projection. So there's a bulkhead behind the view screen okay. that, so there's a bulkhead behind the view screen and then there's a projection on top of that which is what we see most of the time gotcha and so if the if the view screen is compromised they raise that bulkhead so the screen can act as a window you can see that's that's brilliant i think that's, that's pretty cool that is very genius that is I, so freaking cool to think of it's such a cool way to adapt what became such a such a newer Star Trek staple of the window view screen and keep it into the classic style of view screens, merging yeah. the two in such a fascinating way that makes sense with the lore of the show and the franchise. Because if you think about it, like, if the systems go down, what do you do? And you can't yeah. see out of this screen. It's like, well, these windows can, let's just open up the curtains, let in some fresh air. And it's like, that's brilliant. That's so cool. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was a really cool idea, which is why it opens up and Vatic gets blown out. And I was like, that's yeah. that's cool. Genius. <laughs> well done. Well done. I liked it. I really like the production designers on this on this show. I think they I think they are some of the most um talented that uh these Star Trek shows have had. Yeah. Um let's see what else we got before we call it a day. Just the round table, I think, right? Just a little round table discussion. Oh, I love the I love the um I, I don't want to get to that yet. I want I want to talk about um just real quickly, just want to mention I love the running joke that everybody hates Chateau Picard <laughs> so much. 
the alcohol sucks. Every it's bitter or it's tart. I think he said it was. It's a wharf said. Wharf says outside of the annual annual sour mead. Sour yes. mead. <laughs> Nobody quite likes tart. it. Uh, and then, and then, pick, uh, Jordy's like on my sixth anniversary on Rigel. You or six years ago on my anniversary, you gave me a present. What was it? A Chateau Picard Bodor, which you said was too dry because your taste in wine is pedestrian at best. <laughs> awesome, so awesome good. Stuff, yeah. I think the whole ever since the first episode when Shaw was like, I'm more of a mullback man myself. <laughs> Brilliant idea to keep up with this trend that everybody just does not like chateau picard yes i one thing we've talked about it because i've seen like all of the liquor that they've kind of displayed as far as star trek and it all looks i i want one of each i want two of each one that i can drink from and the other one just to have on display because they are so cool you know but about I, the star trek wines website right what happened to it no but you know about it right yeah 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 you I, should I've buy some i know it just I, I can't pull myself to spend that amount of money on alcohol because yeah, it's not cheap. It is expensive. And the, yeah, the um, cheapest Chateau Picard is like $60, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, $20 for wine. That's a little pricey. I don't know if we can handle all that. Where's, <laughs> that my, where's my carton of box wine? And you know what? Can I just say real quickly? I have had Chateau Picard. I agree with Jordy. Really? It's quite dry. Really? Mm-hmm. You're, you're I feel like, though. I feel like, well, because I went to the Ted Forward bar last year, remember? Um, So, like, I feel like, I feel like what happened was someone had the Chateau Picard that they sell and didn't like it and decided to make this the running joke. That's, that's great. Yeah, I, it's on my list. One day I will, I'll try them all out. That'd be, see, that's a really cool thing to do. If you got, if you could do that for your show is get, if they had like small sample sizes, like, hey, sure, get a personal one instead of a whole big one. Yeah, I, I really like the Star Trek Wines website. They have like Romulan Ale and, yeah. and Dorian Ale. Um, they have Klingon Blood Wine. I, I Trust me, I, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, all right, let me just see how much this is going to cost me. And I literally added like everything. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> yeah. there's no way. I got a, I got a child coming. I can't. Yeah, I can't do this. Um, uh, The retaking, retaking the ship is great. Uh, Worf, Raffi. Deanna and Riker together. Awesome. Loved mm-hmm. it. Um, Destroying the Strike. Great. Let's talk about the round table. Before that, Destroying the Strike. Mm-hmm. Why was it so easy? Like, I down. understand. You don't have your captain. I, I understand that. I get it perfectly fine. But literally, you guys shot out like six little shots and you destroyed it completely. But you guys couldn't do this beforehand. The shields are down. I mean, the shields are down. I guess, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, too easy. I mean, a, a, a derelict Klingon bird of prey destroyed a galaxy class starship. Okay, touche, touche. Like this is this is not new in Star Trek. Um, I know, I know. It just if you like don't that. have shields, it's just you just have hull there, and if you yeah. know, and if you know where to where to, to hit it. it it's gonna be. It's gonna be be relatively easy. I mean, mm-hmm. if the shields are down, they'd be shooting at that thing for a while. Yeah. I mean, the shields were up. Shields they'd be shooting up. at that yeah, thing for a while. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, after a while, the rule of cool has to you. It has to trump the rule of logic. Yeah. 
Um, which is something that Star Trek fans don't quite understand. Because <laughs> everything is based off of logic. Logic. Yeah, but sometimes the rule of cool needs to take precedent. Yeah, and it was cool. <laughs> the round table. We finally got... Buddy, I cried. Did you really? I did. Because like I was like, my family is back. <laughs> it was a cool, it was a cool heartfelt moment. I will say that. I didn't cry, but I just felt the warmth of love in that that room. And it was it was great. It, it was, was just great. so nice to see all of them together again, sitting around a table. I'm still um, disappointed we don't have Riker in his post. Like, just give me Riker with his leg up just once. Let I don't me, think he can do it anymore. <laughs> he's like, if I get this thing up, I can't get it back down. I think he's too old. <laughs> you got to make a really small chair. <laughs> Real quickly, though, I think he looks really good. Um, yeah. uh, I think they all look really good for their age. Um, mm-hmm. They've all they've all aged really nicely. Uh, with the exception of possibly Brent. I think Brent's getting a little long in the tooth in a way that the others aren't. Yeah, like he's um, not not telling me he's not taking care of himself as much as the others are. Yeah, Jordy look uh, uh Lavar looks incredible. He's like that um, what I mean like that in person. He is a he's a gorgeous man in person. Yeah. Like he is his beard, the white on the the dark complexion. So good. That white that white beard looks so good on him. And he pulls it off and the the smoothness that you see in Jordy is replicated in Lavar. Like he yeah. is smooth to the t that's good i I, that's awesome um i I think uh gates had a little too much work done speaking of gates so my buddies at megacon they try oh yes part two from last week (laughs) so they try to get like all the signatures for me i had like three or four signatures for my my spider-man one and saturday was completely slammed that they actually sold out of tickets for saturday they sold out of Four-day tickets, Friday, uh, Friday tickets, and Saturday tickets were completely sold out. Right. And they ended up having to go and, like, rebring back tickets so you can go and purchase them from, I think, like, 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock till close. And it was, like, 70 bucks for those tickets just for a half a day. That's how expensive it was. Yeah. Cut the long story short, it was super slammed and packed. My friends couldn't go anywhere on Saturday. It was so busy. So they're like, all right, we're going to try for Sunday. Yeah, And Sunday came around, they went to her and she's like, oh, I'm not signing at all at the con today or at the con at all. I'm only doing photographs. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> broke me down so much. I'm like, can't you just sign my, like, I wish I was there to just say, I beg you, please. Like there's a little $20 bill on the bottom of this comic book. Just, <laughs> just sign it for me. Sure. But she didn't sign it. So I'm definitely brokenhearted, but I hope I get another chance to add some more signatures up because I really want to. Yeah, I hope you do. I hope you do too. Um, anyway, but I don't mean to like body shame anyone age is rough on anybody. Um, but the, uh, uh, I just wanted to say that I think, I think, uh, Riker looks better than he did in season one. Um, because I like season one. I like seeing Riker in season one, but he, there was, I don't think he was, he looked very good in season one. And, and it looks like, you know, he's vacation Riker, but you know, now he's like lost some weight. He's, yeah. he's a lot more energetic. He's gotten kind of a suave back. His face is leaner. I, I think he looks really good this season. Same here. Um, so that's all I got. It was, great, it was a great episode. Great episode. Um, very emotional. I'd love seeing them back around the round table, uh, around the conference table. That's just, and, and they're all in uniforms and it's just yeah. so nice to see because 
I miss them so much. Yes. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to the next episode a couple of days at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Very excited, my friend. So what are we thinking? Two more episodes. You think they can do it? They better do it. If not, we're going to be upset. You and I will probably go over to the studio and just have a couple words with them. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be that upset. If, like I said, like I said, if they if they can deliver on the emotions of the finale, I think I I think I will still be happy. Okay, but the the I I do want them to nail it. I do want this final episode, those final two episodes, to just really deliver something special. I agree, um, and and I I, I hope that, I hope they can do it. For sure. Same here. All right. Well, that'll do it. Not only is this two more episodes of Star Trek Picard, this is also two more episodes with you, sir. Clearing up clearing up the, the tears. <laughs> um I anyway, why don't you why don't you plug your stuff? Yes, sir. Um yeah, you can find me uh on Instagram, just little podcast on Twitter, just podcasting. The podcast will still be up and live, so you can check out the back catalog, Just Little Podcast. Um, I have a new video potentially coming in the works for the YouTube channel if I can get a chance to record it. Um, And then you can find me here on the Fake Nerds Podcast for two more episodes and maybe a special guest in the near future. But I know you can check me out on some other shows that Brandon is doing, and I know he will disclose those wonderful shows because I cannot wait to hear them. Uh, well, as always, guys, this is Fake Nerds Watch. Uh, you are watching for Star Trek. Fake, so you're watching Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Picard season three. There are plenty of other Star Trek Fake Nerds watches that have happened uh, in, in the past. Go check out the back catalog where Cookie and I, um, and if you go back far enough, a different co-host, um, <laughs> uh, talk about uh, various Star Trek episodes. Um, and there will be, of course, uh, more to come. Strange to Change New Worlds comes out in June. Unfortunately, I have to find a new co-host for that, but there will be, Sorry. but there will be a, there will be one. I will, I, I refuse to not t- talk about that season, but uh, there is more Fictor's watch at this time. The Mandalorian season three is going on and we've talked about the Mandalorian uh, now for two episodes. So you can check out the first episode of that is out now. And the second one is coming soon. How are you feeling about the Mandalorian this season? Uh, I, I am, I love Star Wars. I'm always a Star Wars lover, but there is a mix of what's going on. Trying to figure out how all these episodes are really connecting to each other is very difficult. I'm not crazy about the Mandalorian this season. There are moments that just really captivate my, my attention. And then there are just moments where it's like, I don't know what's going on, but we'll see how it all concludes. I think Star Wars Celebration made me a bit more positive, though. I think this is a very good celebration. Minus Kathleen Kennedy. I like Kathleen Kennedy. Come on, don't be that person. She is a wonderful producer. Yes, for Indiana Jones. For E.T., Indiana Jones, the Star Wars prequels. Yes, that's where it stops right there. I disagree. She's the president of Lucasfilm. I I love... She's not a story person. She doesn't do story. I know, but she, she... has the ability to write these checks and she's making and breaking these decisions so she has a final say of no or yes but that i like what she said yes to (sighs) i like what she said yes to remember that i i know i know it's your favorite which i'm still baffled about how it's your favorite (laughs) but we'll all right what you know what you know what i'll link you to a review from 
15 years ago or however long it was and you can you can see why i like that movie a lot i, I will please send it to me because don't get me wrong like as a standalone movie i love it i love yeah. the display of action the everything about it, i do love standalone but put it into the mix of nine ten other movies it's like what in the world mm, disagree disagree i think it's the best friends after movie. that though so it's fine <laughs> Um, but anyway, anyway, that's a, that's enough Star Wars talk for you guys. This is a Star Trek show, Cookie. What have you done? I didn't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so the so guys, of course, check out more more fake nerds watch. Um, uh, there's plenty more in the pipeline. There's Basement Arcade. Basement Arcade is a video game let's play series. There's Basement Arcade Pause Menu. There's two episodes of that out now currently that you can check out. Two new episodes. Um, one about video game music, and one is the um video game uh quarterly so what they so just to give a quick little thing um every three months uh my co-host for the fake Nerd podcast go on basement arcade pause menu to talk about the video games that they've been playing and the video game news that they've done that they've done throughout the three months of the first quarter and so uh that's that's out now you can check that out it's a very cool discussion um they talk about one of my favorite games knockout city so that was cool um i was not there um and then you can check out um Fake Nerd Book Club and Animation Station also shows on this channel. Um, maybe some new Animation Stations coming out, especially in regards to Star Wars. Um, Star Wars Vision Season 2 is coming. We've discussed maybe doing a Season 1 review on Animation Station. That was really cool. Love Star Wars Visions, by the way. Yes, I'm with um, you. Finally, finally, we did it. We found common Star Wars ground. Did you read the novel for Ronan? No, I have it, though. It's actually right here. I just didn't get around to it. Great read. Wonderful yeah. read. So my favorite was the twins. Okay. The twins yeah. are really cool. Like, yeah, the, the animation for that was really, really cool. I'm a big like trigger guy. So do you know the animation studio trigger? Mm -hmm. uh, they did Gurren Logan, Kill a Kill, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I I effing love them. And so like they did <laughs> they did the twins, which is just 10 minutes of just, just the most insane batshit Star Wars shit I've ever seen in my life. I was just like, on top oh, I'm out in space. Oh my god. <laughs> so good it's so good anyway um and of course guys there's uh there's the, our newest show our brand new show the real score has launched its first episode please check it out we're greatly we're really proud of it and it's a lot of fun uh new episode coming in a couple of weeks uh, thereabouts there's the and we the first episode is talking about the batman michael giacchino's the batman score um where this is a show where we talk about film scores and it's a lot of fun and we're really proud of it and we hope that you guys will check it out it's actually um one of our, i know that people have checked it out because it's actually one of our best viewed videos our most awesome. viewed videos that's awesome yeah uh, so like awesome thank you guys for checking that out and subscribing wonderful um that's that of course you can check out the fictional podcast the fictional podcast goes live every sunday uh to talk about movie reviews and comic book stuff and news and all sorts of all sorts of things uh it's kind of catch-all for everything we do here um this past week we talked about the super mario bros and how that was very disappointing um and <laughs> yeah we, i didn't like it but did you like it did you see it i have not seen it i i just watched fast and furious number nine <laughs> that's how far oh, you just watched that nine yes. um we reviewed that years ago. Yes, you um, did. <laughs> um, but anyway, the Super Mario Bros. conversation is is there. That's up there now. You can check that out. Please do. Uh, and coming up this week is Renfield. We're going to be talking about the new Renfield movie. So that'd be fun. Um, and that's, of course, all the shows you can check out. Again, like this video, subscribe to this channel. If you're listening to this in audio, 
subscribe, consider subscribing, consider rating and reviewing. Um, you can check out our T Public or our Patreon if you like to support us financially. Please do. Uh, be a big help. You can also check out our our website at fakenerpodcast.com, uh, Fakener Podcast on all the social medias. I'm at BT McLaurin. Check out my Twitter. You can also find me writing at CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamaMedia.com, which you can find on all my socials. Uh, Cookie, one last time, where can people find you? Just a little podcast on Instagram, just podcasting on Twitter. All right, guys. Until next time you see us, live long and prosper. Woohoo.